Good morning, Chair City Church. How are you doing today? Woo! I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you for your enthusiasm. It's a great way to start. Uh, we are kicking off a new series called From This Day Forward today. We, you know, every February since we started, we take this time to do kind of a relationship series. And, you know, it, it is slanted and there's an emphasis often to married couples, to dating. Uh, I still think if you're, there's a lot of value to everyone, but much of the time, almost all the time, many of these principles, you can uh, just apply them to all your relationships and, and it's going to be productive and God-honoring, okay? Now, I want to start out with a time of confession. How many people in here feel they need help in their relationship? There's six people. I'm glad. Yeah. That's good. It's not exactly consistent with my scheduling and counseling week to week, I'm going to tell you that. Uh, how many? <laughs> I'm crying too, man, I'm telling you. <laughs> All right. How many people think your significant other needs help in, a, in their rela in the relationship? There you go. Okay, yeah, yeah. That would be most of the phone calls, by the way. Okay. Well, listen, this, this series is... It, it, it's for you. Yeah, it is, it is for your significant others, and if they come week to week, it, it's going to help them. But what this series is, it's a conversation God wants to have with you. Really. God has drawn you here. He's ordained that you would be here for today. And if you come each week over these coming weeks, you're just going to have a healthier understanding of what these relationships are about because you're going to know more about God in this context, the God who created you and created relationships. God is the author of relationships, of marriage. Now, when I met Christy, right, uh, it was like, probably took me seconds to notice that she was, uh, I'll just say, pretty, right? I mean, I looked at her, wow, and I said, that, that's a pretty girl. And then Christy came over and began to talk with me, and she said, wow, someone really needs to help this guy. He needs help, right? <laughs> That's really not far from the truth. It's actually within the content of fact there, okay? <laughs> God is all about bringing people together. As he brought my wife and I, it really was a beauty and a beast, no exaggeration, together that day and through these years. God is all about building relationships. And it's been that way since the very beginning. We're going to jump into Genesis chapter 2. I'll be going to verse 7. If you have your Bible, great. Get there. Stop flipping the pages. If you don't, we will put the words up on the screen. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Pause. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals, all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them, what the man would call them. Then the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still there was no helper just right for him. So now let's jump. So we went from seven... We jumped to verse 18. I should have let you know that. <laughs> and now we're going to keep going into verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. 
Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man explained, not much has changed in 5,000 years, right? <laughs> this, is, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. So the God who made the universe creates man, and creating man forms him from the dirt of the ground. Adam wakes up from that deep sleep, and he sees the face of God. That's a wonderful thing. Then he, he wakes up later on from a deep sleep and he sees a Eve in all her splendor, right? She's having some good waking up moments, huh? But the God, who, the God who knows all things, he breathes into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. And Adam opens his eyes and he sees all that God is doing. But then there's this kind of, and then there's this waiting period, meaning Adam awakes. He begins to live life. He, he begins now to, God tells him to govern the earth, and he begins, he sets out to do that by naming the animals. And, and, and we know God has already kind of concluded that Adam needs a helper, but then it pauses, and then Adam starts to govern the earth. And then eventually Eve comes. We don't know how, what was the distance in that happening? God noting Adam needing a helper, God providing the helper, but we know there was a waiting period, right? We don't know how long it was, but we know Adam waited for Eve. We know that Eve was worth the wait, right? What God had for Adam was worth the wait. God has something for all of us here today, every single one of you. Often that something can be found in relationships. It often isn't the relationship you have, the one you have today. That might be hard for some of you to grasp. And I want to tell you what God has is always worth the wait. Always. It was for Adam. It is for you. You say, there's difficulty in my marriage. I say, before you start going in a certain particular path in your mind, wait for God. You say there's uncertainty. I say wait for God. Hang in there. Keep coming these next few weeks. See what God has to say to you. Participate in the conversation God is calling you and drawing you into with him in these coming weeks. Wait on God and wait with great expectation for the creator of heaven and earth, your creator, and the creator of relationships to speak into your life because he knows what you need. Wait on God. And like he created Adam, he created you. And like he knows what Adam needed, he knows what you need. And like Adam waited, you wait. And like God noticed Adam, he noticed. He notices you. He does right now. He notices you. He notices what's going on in your mind, in your heart, your, your plot or plight situation in life. He notices you. And he's there like, like he was with Adam. Even more specifically in this incredible personal way, he's there. You know, after Jesus announced to his disciples that he would be leaving the earth and going to be with his Father in heaven, he tells them this statement of great encouragement in John chapter 14, verse 16 through 17. Jesus says, and I will ask the Father. Did I say ask? I did, okay. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsel to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Now that, in the original language, the, the Bible there, those words were written originally in Greek, and the Greek word there, is uh, 
parakletos, and, and you know, the word for, for comfort or for counselor, depending on the version you have. And this word is used to describe one being called to the side of another. another. Another definition of that word, kind of secondary, is one who comes alongside to support and care for another person. Meaning, Jesus is saying, God, the Holy Spirit, God, huh, is going to be coming alongside of you. He's called to be your helper and supporter. He notices you. God is with you. God is dwelling in you, walking alongside of you, supporting you, comforting you. Wait on God, huh? Don't leave that outstretched hand. Don't turn away from that outstretched hand. Don't turn away from that comfort or that counselor. Don't run ahead of it. Don't shirk it. Don't push it away. Just wait on God. He's wanting to do something wonderful in your relationship. And if you're alone, perhaps there is someone that God has for you. Huh? Perhaps he does, and again, I think you can apply this to all relationships, but perhaps he has this incredible new one for you if you're single. If you're with someone, perhaps it's an improved relationship. God is wanting to work through you, the one who is waiting on him, the one who is wanting to know more of him, which is why we wait on him. And if you do so, you will value and treasure and appreciate what God brings to you like Adam did. So wait. Wait, especially if you're not in a relationship and you have this desire to be with one. Wait for God to guide you into that new relationship. Be sure that it's one that honors God in every way, and that's how you really ensure that is that you're waiting on God. Many people come into these relationships, and instead of bringing themselves closer to God, they begin to drift away from God. Wait. Before you commit all that you are, your, your body and your emotions to a relationship with someone, and just wait on God. Know this is of God. Before you fall in love with someone, fall in love with God, and make sure they fall in love with God as well. Wait, right? Before you have sexual relationships with one another, wait on God. He notices you. He knows what you need. He knows your past. He knows he knows your future. He knows what brings you the most pleasure and the most peace because he created you and he created and formed relationships. Wait. I know. This is peculiar stuff, right? Wait on the sexual relationships. Wait before you fall in love. Wait, you know, wait on God. You know, in a, in a kind of peculiar kind of Dave-type style way, I did this. It, it was kind of backwards, but I did it. You know, I, when I first met Chris, I told you I was attracted to her. That's chemistry. It's, chemistry is cool. God made us to have chemistry, right? You know, you see her, you see him, you know, like in seconds, you know. Chemicals start popping off in the brain. Stuff starts happening on our bodies, another conversation. Okay. And that's okay. But it should be a little bit of chemistry and a lot of relationships. Problem is we got a little bit of relationship and a lot of chemistry. Right? And so I, so I saw Chrissy, and the chemistry was flying, baby. It was the 4th of July. I'm not going to give you the details. 
I mean, you know, how she, she, she's a good-looking woman. I thank, I thank God for my precious, attractive, wonderful, faithful, sweet wife, ma'am. Uh, and, uh, and so now, you know, we, I started pursuing her, sending her gifts like crazy in the mail. And oh, it was, man, I, pers- I just gave it all I got, you know. And, and well, it turns out, uh, the couple who I wound up meeting Christy through, because she was visiting them, I happened to be over their house now. And, uh, and the husband of the couple, and like one of their life ambitions is to see me come to know Jesus, by the way. They did. It was, they had it on their heart, as did a group of people they were with, to see me come to know Jesus. They dedicated themselves to this small part of their lives, but nonetheless for like 10 years. <laughs> and uh, I'm over the house, and the husband is talking to his cousin who lives uh, a distance away in Rhode Island, right where Christy is going to church, and I find out that Christy's going over his house for dinner with uh, another girl, a friend, and I'm like, yeah, he is targeting Christy. He, yeah, he's locked and loaded, man, you know, and he's a pretty decent looking guy. He went to this Bible college, so he's one of those Christians, you know, and they all flock together and everything, and he's like kind of a hot shot in, in, the, in the college when he goes around there, so I'm like, oh man, this is not looking good here. How am I going to compete with this, right? Wife sees that kind of probably look on my face, and she comes over and she says, "You know, Dave, you just uh, you just need to trust God that this is His will. You just need to really." And I honestly, I think somebody said, "You just need to wait on God. You just need to trust God that that this is His will, and this is what He wants for you." And so now, by the way, I'm not a believer at this time. I've not come to that place yet. You know, I'm not the guy who's praying for Christy. I'm the guy who's sending her Vermont teddy bears and precious moments and pumpkins and all the other stuff, right? And uh, up, and I just, you know, when I realize that my continence is noticeable, so I get up and I go outside. It's kind of drizzling out. I start walking, and uh, and I start talking to God, you know. And I'm like, okay, you know, uh, God, uh, if this is your will in my life for me to have this girl, you know, then, and I say it a few times, and I'm like, okay, let's time out. I, just, I'm not good at this, and I'm t- I'm talking to God, who I don't. I know I think I believe in God, but I don't have any, but I'm like, okay, time out. I don't really know what your will is in my life. I don't even know what's going on here. All I know is I really like this girl a lot, <laughs> you know? She's hot. <laughs> and she's a nice, I just think there's something going on here. Uh, so here's what I can do. It's a sincere conversation, maybe almost verbatim I have with this God that I, I said, if you give her to me, uh, I won't mess around with her. I won't, I won't have sex with her. I didn't say the sex word because I was talking to God. You know, man. I won't. I, I actually said I'll keep my hands off of her. Okay? And I won't interfere and mess up with her doing this, you know, church stuff with you. It's because she was going to Bible college and she was really, she's going to be in this thing they call ministry. And I'm not going to interfere with that. I, I'll support that. You know, I'll do my thing and she could do her thing, but I'll be a good guy. Just, just let me, don't mess, let me have this girl. Come on. I mean, I'll do the right thing here. I won't screw it up. I promise, okay? And you know what? You know, I wasn't even, and yet I had this, and, and from that moment when we went into relationships, we did wait. We waited for two years. I was 20 years old. From 28 to 30, man, I pursued what was done, a significant part of driving thing in my life was just to have sexual relationships, going into, go, because that's, I mean, when I mean, meaning pursue, pursuing the opposite sex, it's a big part of every single, significantly part of a person's life, whether you're not have sexual relations or not is another thing, but it's, it's a big part, right, of what drives us if you really unwrap and uncover the whole thing. For two years, I honored that conversation with God, 
Uh, Christy helped out too a little bit by honoring her relationship with God. But together we did. We glorified and honored God in that way. And you know what happened? The relationship began to increase more than the chemistry. I'm just telling you. The chemistry, like I said, it was there. But now the relationship began to build. First, my relationship with God. Christy improved her relationship with God. See what an effect I had on her? <laughs> it's the truth, though. I was such a danger. She had this, I'm going off track here. What time is it? 42. She had this conundrum. She really began to have feelings for me and be attracted to me, of course. <laughs> hey, you know how much of my teddy bear cost back then? A hundred bucks for a teddy bear. Uh, but no, actually what she did was, the conundrum was, I'm attracted to this man. I sense something is good here, but he does not believe in God. First, she said no to the relationship, as I said before. I'm going to wait on God. Then I came to know God. I had my come to Jesus moment. Okay, uh, is this valid? Is he for real? <laughs> you know? I mean, hey, we'll do anything. We'll say anything, you know? Or at least I would. So you know what she did? And I've said it before. She doubled up her relationship with God. She waited on God even more. She said, if God, Lord, if this is the one you want for me, if this is the man you will have for me, I will wait on you. I will stop. I mean, like, to a point where I don't even know, I would, like, really, I mean, she went out. I mean, she, you know, she, I'm not going to watch this. I'm not, I'm not going to let anything that's going to come into my life that's going to hinder me growing spiritual with you. You know, she, she, to a point where I'm not even saying she, she wouldn't hold my hand. Like we're, out, we're in the aquarium, and I've told you before, and it's like dark tank in Boston. I took it around, I go to hold my hand, and she pulls away, and I like lose it. I'm like, enough, enough, I can't do this, okay? <laughs> well, you know, it's against the rules. I'm like, come on, rules. I mean, like, was a shark going to rat us out? Stop this. I drove four hours, hold my hand, man. And I, holding hands is cool. I'm just saying, it's just where she went. I am going to wait on my God. Because I think he might have something wonderful, pleasing, and beautiful to me that it's so much greater than anything I would even desire now. I can't even imagine what God has for me. I'm going to wait on him. And thank God she did. And that so inspired me to hold to that conversation. Because if she doesn't, I don't really know if I hold to the conversation. If I got a good shot, though. Because I really did begin to pursue God with all I had. Pardon me, I'm struggling a bit this morning. Uh, so, you, I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place. I've got to watch time. The, the point is, wait. I can't that fathom if we wouldn't have waited. Now, just wait on God. And if you haven't wait, waited, begin to wait. <laughs> you know? It's never too late to wait on God. It's never too late to say, you know what? I want to honor God in my relationship. I'm going to wait on him because he has something greater than what I have. What I have could be pretty cool, but he's got it. It's greater. It's more pleasurable. It's more peaceful. It's relationship. The problem is, well, I, I got to get back. I got to get back here. Okay. Where am I? Listen, I often talk to people who regret not waiting. And I mean not waiting to have sexual relationships, not waiting to commit to falling in love and emotionally. I often, you know, I often talk to people who, looking back, regret not waiting. I rarely talk to people who regret waiting. And why is that? You see, what they discover, what Christy and I discovered, is that in the waiting, that's where 
what God does in the waiting is just as valuable as what you're waiting for. (laughs) Did I say that right? It's in that waiting period that you really discover so much about God and you, and you come to find that it's even, it's so much, it's just as valuable and as important as what you're waiting for. As a matter of fact, what you're waiting for, what you wanted is so much less than what God had for you and what he has for you, you need to get in the waiting period. You got me? I can never ever sustain a relationship. What was my lifetime credentials of, of sustaining a healthy, good marriage? Not much. But I waited on God, and in that waiting period, we built relationship. And then we brought that relationship in with the chemistry, and the relationship was good enough that when stuff happens, because stuff happens, the relationship was good enough that it didn't erode the chemistry. Ha-ha, right? A lot of chemistry, a little bit of relationship, coming to life, stuff happens. What's the first thing that goes when relationships isn't there? The chemistry. Now you got no chemistry, you got little relationship, now you got hell on earth, right? All right. I'm going to try and get through this. God does his greatest, finest work in the waiting period. Now, the waiting period can be tough. It can. It can be confusion. You know, I mean, shock tank, right? Okay. It can be discouraging at times. And it's a time of transition. But here's the point. You need to understand, you're not stagnant. You're moving. You are moving forward. You're progressing in the waiting. You're not, nothing's going on. You're progressing to what God has for you. You're progressing to really what you can't even dream about. It's so great. And what's happening is you're seeking God. You're trusting God. You're moving forward. Forward from what? Away from past regrets. Away from past dysfunction. Away from generational maladies and, and problems. You're moving forward. Forward to the relationships that you have dreamed about, prayed about, thought about, wanted, desired. You're moving in that direction. I like a verse that Craig Rochelle, who wrote a book called From This Day Forward, he did a series, From This Day Forward, um, and he takes this verse out of Lamentations. The verse speaks more towards the relationship the nation of Israel has with their God, and in particular, what's going on in Jeremiah's life, who's a prophet, uh, and he's a weeping prophet. He, he cries, and, he, and he's intense, and, but I think it can responsibly be applied the way Craig did it, kind of to our marriages and, and our lives. So Lamentations chapter 3, verse 19 through 23. It says, The thought of my suffering and homelessness is, be, is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His, Murphy, his, his mercies and Murphy, if you have his mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. His mercies are new every day. Jeremiah is saying, hey, I look back and I see pain. I see people making terrible decisions. I see difficulty. I see suffering. This is what I see. And man, I'm very depressed about that. I'm lamenting. I'm crying about it. And he says, yet. Say with me. Say, yet. It's good. I still dare to hope. See, when you're trusting in God, you can dare to hope, man. When you are waiting, yielded, submitted, surrendered to God, you can dare to hope, no matter what's going on. You're not desperate. You are hopeful. And these words of Lamentation 19 to 23, they, I think they speak to from this day forward. 
I'm not giving up from this day forward. I'm pressing on. My strength, my comfort is to wait on the Lord Almighty who's faithful, to, who, who's a loving God. This is so good for us this morning, for, for us at Chair City Church. It speaks to forgiveness, redemption. It speaks to that new start. And it all says what? Wow, it all says the best is yet to come. That's the best is yet to come. Forgiveness, redemption, new hope, dare, move forward, pro progress. The best is yet to come. God is always willing to give us a fresh start right now as I'm talking for you. He'll give you that chance if there's been a mistake that's made, if whatever's gone on, whatever conundrum's gone on in your life, it's new. But you want to go in a different direction. You want to trust in him. He'll pick you up from the ashes. He'll, no matter what, you might have been beaten down. You might have been overwhelmed. Who knows what's going on? Maybe you don't even look back and like, how did that happen? I don't know how I got here, but today is new. I want to encourage you that you serve a God. We serve a God. There is a God whose love never ends and his mercies never cease. And because of that, you can be more than you ever imagined. As a person, as a human being, as an individual, your relationships can be more than you ever imagined. I cannot fathom. I mean, I can't. If you would have told me at 28, at 30, even early on in my marriage, that I would have the relationship that I have just with anyone, let alone my wife. I just, I, I, didn't, even know, I didn't even know it existed. I, I, I just, I didn't. But God is good, huh? He wants more for you than you have now. If your relationship is poor, he wants it to be better, it can be better. If it's okay, God says, it, I want it to be more than okay. If it's good, it can be great. If it's great, it can be greater. We never stop working. Christian and I, we never stop working on our marriage. We want our marriage, you want your marriage to glorify God. Do you believe that? I wonder, as I'm saying this, how many of you how many of you think, you might have said it out loud, preferably not to your spouse, maybe you're just thinking it internally, it really, is there such a thing as a great marriage? Do they really exist? It's kind of like, you know, a, you know that, that four-leaf clover type of a thing, right? And I get that, because the odds are against you having a great marriage. The, the odds, I mean, the odds of marriage surviving is 50-50. Now, I do believe if you're in a place of trusting in God, as a Christian, those increase. But the reality is, you might say you believe in God and, you, and you're a Christian, but if you're living your life as the culture does, then the least that applies to everybody. Those who say they believe in God and say they believe in Jesus, those who don't. But we're kind of living out a very similar lifestyle in the way we're, what we're doing and investing our time, our money, our emotions. Well, then it's 50-50. And it's been that way for a while. And that's a bit disheartening. You know what blows my mind? It, it's kind of people's, what's the word? Uh, they're apathetic to this. It's, uh, they're, they're kind of not alarmed by it in a sense. I don't say that condescending. I'm just, it's just, it's like, okay, imagine you, you get on a plane, right? And the pilot welcomes everybody, says, hey, welcome everyone on board. It's, uh, you know, 70 degrees outside, beautiful sight, uh, sunny, bright day. It's going to take us about three hours to get to our destination, and there's a 50-50 shot. We're going to land. I'm not going to crash and burn this plane, huh? 
Or you go to a restaurant like I did last night, you open up the menu and you look down at the bottom and it says in small letters, great food here, the best in town. And there's a 50-50 chance you won't get food poisoning, you know, which I think I did. Uh, but I mean, what, that's, you're out, right? I mean, you, alarm, caution. And yet, really, every, I, I don't, we go into these relationships and it's like, it's no caution, no concern, no being alarmed. We're different. Because we got all this chemistry going on. I know I'm being sarcastic. And my wife's looking at me like, okay, okay, I will. I'm with you. I'm not against you. You wouldn't get on a plane. You'd close the menu and walk out. Then why in the world do you go into relationships rather than doing something intentional to avoid the 50-50 thing? Why do you do that? What are you doing today to avoid that? Because if you're not doing something intentional, matter of fact, a lot of what you're doing probably resembles more of what you did in other relationships that blew your life apart, right? Come on! You, God's got something better than 50-50. God wants to glorify himself through you in that relationship because he created you, he notices you, and he created that relationship. Yeah, it was a rough night last night. Some of you, so many people have had uh, babies in here the last several weeks. We're so excited about that. That's awesome. <laughs> some of you had baby. Actually, someone's in labor this morning. Uh, Kristen, J Jason's not in labor, but Kristen uh, is in labor this morning. Sunday's about two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. Vanessa was in labor on a Sunday. Uh, some of these people have babies whining and crying, keeping them up all, last, last, up all night. Christy had me whining and crying and keeping her up all last night, right? No binky for me, huh? <laughs> I'm not a good patient. Let's just put it that way. Look, you just wouldn't accept such poor odds in any critical area of your life, but somehow in this one you do. Because the chemistry is there, so it's all good. We go into marriage so often and we do very little about this and this is not what this is not what God intended he's got another way and that way is for you to seek God to seek him and there's a verse that speaks to this in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 it's a foundational verse that Jesus gives his followers meaning he gives it to you as if he spoke it then he speaks it to you right now this morning and it's Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Meaning, make God the priority in all of your life. It speaks to relationships. It speaks to single people. You know, I'm trying to find the right person, right? We'll be talking to the teens about this on Thursday. We talk to them about the chemistry and the relationships. Told Chris, I said, man, this is good stuff. We talked to them about the myth of finding the right person. That you don't want to find the right person. You want to be the right person. And I tell my kids this all the time. Just be the right person. And you will, you know, and then you'll find the one that, you know, I don't know if there's one perfect person. I, I, I just know that you, when you come into a relationship, you'll know this is someone that I can live my life with. This is a good thing. And you'll not be prone to idolizing them, right? You're not seeking God. You're looking for the right person, and they're looking for the right person. That's just great. And you wind up idolizing one another, you know? 
and in doing that, you, 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 you exaggerate things that are kind of like really not that great, and you minimize things that are serious, you know? Like, you know, so, you know, a girl meets a guy, and oh, he's so sensitive and passive and quiet and calm, and, and you know, five years later, he's a stinking bump on a log. He doesn't talk to me. He comes home. He's just on the couch. Guy meets girl, and it's like, oh, she's so ambitious, and she knows what she wants. She's so organized, and, you know, five years later, she's a control freak. She just doesn't stop. <laughs> True stuff. The only one you want to idolize is God. And let me tell you something. We all got our things. It's cool. But that's why when you put relationship first, you work through all that stuff with God at the center of it. Yeah, you know, before you get into the other stuff. And, you do, and then you build relationship, and then the relationship holds it together. Look, the truth is this. We're expecting things from our spouses, from those we're in relationship with, that we can only get from God. <laughs> and the reason why we're looking to get these things from them is because we're not getting it from God. Something's deficient in our relationship with God. It, we're just not getting it from God. Oh, he's got it. We're just not yielded, surrendered, trusting in him. We're not seeking him. We're not getting it from here. We've decided to get it from something or someone else. Because we got it. We got the plan. And God's saying, here I am. Here I am, the God who who, whose love never fails, the one whose mercies never cease. I am here, and I've got this great plan for your life. And so what happens is if we do that, then we put these two, if we seek God, we put these two critical relationships in our life, our relationship with God and our relationship with our spouse, right? They're in the right order. God is my one and my spouse is my two. In my life with Christ, my one and she is my two. Vice versa, the same thing. It's been like this from the get-go. Or even during our dating period, God was the one and the other was the two. Really. And it's amazing. If one of us kind of swayed a bit, uh, you know, the other one was holding. And so, you know, it was, we, we, we navigated it. God is your one, your spouse, that, that your fiancé, the one you're, is your two. A lot of you are looking at that one person like they're the one. I want you to make a commitment today, those who are single, that says, I will seek the one while preparing for my two. Raise your hand. Come on. High, raise it high. Now look around each other. That's my contribution to Valentine's Day, okay? <laughs> go to Jim Murphy for your gift card to go out to eat dinner. He'll take care of it. <laughs> Listen, what it says is, I'm not going to focus on the person, I'm going to focus on God. I'm not looking for the right one. I'm more into becoming the right one. How great, what a vision for life that is. Huh? Be faithful to God. Now let's just move quickly. It's 1101, and I, gotta get, I want to get through this. Huh? Dating's been, dating's been a big deal for you for a long time, right? It's just, it's just existed for the longest time. Christy? Before she had met me, she had dated some people. It really was nothing stellar, kind of just a lot of disappointments. You know, my, my thing was a train wreck in the background, huh? She drew, she drew closer to God. You know what that meant? That meant we weren't like hanging out in like some desolate area, pounding down beers and jumping all over each other. We weren't like, you know, going to that, you know, 
$60 two-hour night hotel or whatever it was, you know? It means we were hanging out with Lloyd and Diane watching like one of those orca movies or whatever it was, you know? <laughs> but you find ways to do that, you know? It wasn't easy. I remember the first time I, 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 I realized, I'm like, man, I'm hanging out with, I'm 28, I'm hanging out with this girl and like her parents and we're watching a movie and I got so frazzled by it, I got restless. I just thought, well, I'm going to spice this thing up. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I am. And, and so uh, Christy said, I got to go to the bathroom. And I said, oh, I got to go first. And I run in the bathroom. I disconnect like some of the lights in the vanity so there's not much lighting. I, get, I open up because everybody has Vaseline in their, in, their, in their thing. I grab a chunk of Vaseline and I lather up the toilet bowl seat, <laughs> you know. So when she comes in, you know, boom, right? True story. I come out of the bathroom. I, with this, okay, Christy starts walking in. Her mom gets up and she's no no Christy I gotta go I gotta go I gotta I'm like oh geez no <laughs> she cuts Christy off and she goes running there I'm like okay whoa oh, I'm, I'm about to get tossed out of here any minute now and I'm just sitting on the couch like waiting to get like verbally abused Diane comes out didn't look at me didn't say a word about a year later I asked I said so uh remember that time she I remember <laughs> I said what happened she goes what do you think happened <laughs> fortunately it was a wall so she hit the wall hard my point is, hey, you know, you, 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 it, it just can be good and pleasurable and fun and all that stuff. I'm just all over the place. Where am I? Okay. All right. All right. Married people, how does this apply to you, this principle of focusing on God, seeking God first? I want you to commit to this. I will seek the one with my two. Yeah. I will seek the one God with my two with my spouse. Today we want you to seek God together. The church, as a pastor, I want you to seek God together. Seek the one with your two. Okay, so I'm going to give you three principles and then we're going to get out of here. Okay, so I'm like, in five minutes, I'm going to give you three principles, things you can really apply to your life that I believe can help you. Craig Hodges basically mentions these three principles. He, 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 he uh, tossed out a study from Harvard that he says if you do these, uh, they'll increase your chances from 50-50 to 1 in 1,000. I, I went to look for the study. I couldn't find it. I'm not saying it's not true. I do know if you put these principles into your marriage, again, you'll now leave that culture way of living marriage, and it'll be one that's seeking God. So it's certainly, without question, going to increase the odds, not only of you having a poor marriage, but having a great marriage. So ready? Let's fly through them. The first thing is, and it comes from the Bible, these principles, from the God who created you, created marriage, the first one is pray together. Saying couples that pray together, stay together. It's an odie, it's a goodie. Now here's the thing. I'm not just telling you to start like, like, like praying together. It's kind of awkward. Christy and I have never really gotten good at this, you know? I might fall asleep, I go on too long. Okay, it just doesn't work really well for us to sit down, hold hands, and pray together. Some people do awesome. But what we do is, I'll be in my office, Christy will walk in, she'll look at me and she'll just put her hand on me. And I know she's praying. Sometimes she'll actually pray out loud. I walk by, and I look at her smile, and I stop, and I put my head down. I'm just praying for her. We'll text each other during the day, and we'll pray for each other, you know? Sometimes we actually pray it out. So we're praying together. It's in our marriage. We pray together in our marriage in different ways. Pray together. Next, to get you from 50-50 to just a whole lot better, talk about the Bible together. Now, once again, Christy and I don't usually sit down, although we have. At times, we'll have certain seasons uh, where we hit on something. We're drilling down, but we generally don't open up the Bible and sit there and read it together. 
but we talk about the Bible a lot. When we, we, we drive and we're talking about just going on in life and we refer to the Bible. Sometimes we just talk about, hey, you know, I, I was doing this devotion this morning. Christy's really good consistently with that. And, you know, and I came across this. I'll be like, you know, I was preparing for my sermon or I, I was having this time of thinking with God. And we'll share what we're read about or studied about in, about in God's Word with one another, right? And, and, and this comes out in all our lives. We bring in a, if, we, if we watch a movie with the kids, we're looking to see, wow, is there, is there something from God's Word that's in that, that that's a good principle? If we're reading them books, we like to read them books that carry Scripture in it or something from God's Word that's in there that we can talk to them about it. My kids, I, I'm doing it all the time. Listen, you got to get the Bible. Man, I, I don't know how those people on the screen are doing today, but I'm, I'm, you got to get the Bible into your family life. I re- you got to get it. Talk about the Bible in your home. Watch things, listen to things, read things, conversation at dinner about God's Word and His principles, His precepts, His commands, His promises. Get that into your family, into your marriage. I, last now is attend church together. It's true. Now, some of you are saying, you know, well, we're here. <laughs> I know you're here. But come together consistently. Keep coming. Now, I'm not the pastor that says you've got to be in church every Sunday. But I am the pastor that says you should be in church most Sundays. Some of my kids might miss a couple of times a week, three, uh, a year. Now, they come because they love it. And they love it because they're invested in it. They serve. We all serve as a family. I said, you know, and, and I don't. I don't elevate my kids. I don't because they're the kids' pastors. And I don't, I don't deprive them because they're the kids' pastor. I'm just telling you, honestly, they like coming because they've built relationships with people and because they serve and they enjoy that and it's meaningful and they get a lot out of it. It's personal to them. So come to church, but come to church on the lookout for God. Leave on the lookout for people and invest yourself in, in particularly serving. It's a great way to connect to people. Some of the people that are giving birth, some of them have had difficulties. You know, I've been blown away at seeing how people have connected to them, come alongside of them, and you know where those relationships were built? By serving. So they want to turn around and help a child out in preschool, which is a great place to serve, or help a child out in nursery or, or do something like that, and little did they know that that would result for them in a time of great need, immense comfort, friendship, relationship, huh? Yeah, that's God. God is doing more than you imagine, more than you could expect it. Just trust in him. Serve your church. Got some great things coming ahead in these weeks ahead. We'll be talking about it. But now, now, as we said last week, serve your church. Don't think, oh, that's good for them, but not me, or I got this going on. You got one thing going on in your life. God, seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom and all others. And I'm telling you, your bandwidth will increase. The people who serve the most, literally, if you look at their schedules, it's like, wow, how do they do this? And it's because they've trusted in God and he's expanded them and made them in a way that they never thought. He's increased their capacity. So serve. Last week, we had a few people sign up to serve in kids' ministry. That's awesome. First impression, kids' ministries, serve, serve, serve. Seek first the kingdom of God. All right. So I think we're coming to the end here, huh? Listen. So look, pray together. You and your spouse, you and the one you're engaged to. You want to be a bit careful of that? There's a lot of them, but still, you, you pray together in the way I've told you, whatever works for you. Talk about the Bible together in the different ways. Go to church together. 
me and Chrissy would have ended, even though I'd go to church and I'd embarrass her and her family more than half the time when I would go. Things I would say, the things I would do, nothing disrespectful, just, I was just confused. <laughs> we went to church together, huh? Make that commitment. If you do this, it's going to change your odds. I believe that with all my heart. You'll be in the culture, but not of the culture. We connect the culture. It's not culture's bad. We're good. No, no, no. We are connecting the culture, but we live our lives. Christ is counterculture. He always will be. Jesus is counterculture. Listen, don't let being a part of coming together with your fellow believers or the people of God to chance. It's got to be intentional. Again, I don't think you have to say, I'm, I'm never going to miss a church Sunday, but you want to be intentional about being here. Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. As you do this, you increase your ability to stay together. From this day forward, if you pray together, forward if you talk about the Bible together. From this day forward, if you come to church together in an intentional way with expectation and joy and gladness, from this day forward, God's plan begins to grow in your life. Listen, you need to grab every morsel and bit of godliness you can to add it into the most critical area of your life. You should say this, the number one essential of my healthy relationship is living a God-first life, seeking God. I will seek God in all His kingdom. You're in here today, you might, you might not believe in God, or you, you, you know, you are kind of that cultural kind of where, you know, yeah, you believe in Jesus, but you know, you have your way of living, and, and, and you're thinking it's okay, and it's right, and, and you know, you have all these different cliches or thoughts that you've injected into kind of make that work, but not in God's word, you know, uh, and it's not consistent with healthy relationships. We know that statistically. We know that from a psychological place. We know that from a common sense place, that what God calls us to in this scripture is really what does and can and should lead to these healthy relationships. But you're saying, you know what, I, I, you know, look, I, I'm kind of okay with the God thing, and I'm here today, but um, somebody brought me, and I'm a guest, but I'm just, I'm not really, is it, I mean, look, if I really knew that I knew that I knew that it was all true, and maybe, but I just, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place with it. Here's why I did this. Last night, something kind of really cool happened. Chris and I brought the kids to a, a concert, and uh, we got there hours in advance so that they could get us, you know, be up front, and uh, there was some miscommunication, and we wound up being in the wrong line. Right? So we waited all these hours, and now we're not going to get in in front, of, in front of, like, you know, instead of like 100 and something people, 150 people are going to get in ahead of us. Now it's Joy's got to get up in the front. That's why we got this so early. All right. So there's this guy. I noticed by now it's probably about maybe 6 o'clock, hour before the concert's going to start, maybe a little more. Actually, probably about a half hour before the concert's going to start. And he's a really kind of commanding presence. He came out, like I said, about a half hour, and he's walking around. He's got a black, kind of like, I don't know, I wouldn't call it a cowboy hat. What kind of a hat would you call it? Kind of like, like a Stetson, yeah. He's got like this black Stetson on. He's got black, skinny, dark sunglasses on. It's at night now, right? He's got a goatee, white goatee, probably in his 60s, I'm guessing. He's got a long, like Stevie Ray Vaughan, that's over some of your heads. He's got this long, black, kind of trench coat on, black pants, black boots smoking his cigarette. I mean, he, he just, he was, a, he was, the, not only did he look like, okay, power, he was. 
I mean, there was a cop there, cops, he'd look at them, he'd talk at them, they got it. People who worked there, he would motion, he would look, they, everybody's following this guy. The people who worked there literally brought out a chair, like when it was his time to come out, ahead of him walked out somebody who worked there, and they put this like special chair right in the middle of the street <laughs> so that he could come and sit there if he wanted and watch everything, right? He's like, whoa, this dude is like the king here, right? I don't know who he worked for, what he was doing. So I figured, okay, I got to fix my problem. I'm going to go, I'm going to talk to this guy. <laughs> so I went over to him and I started talking. He's like, brother. He's like, brother, hang on. You're a good guy. I got you. Okay, so who are you, who are you talking about? I'm like, he goes, don't point. I'm trying to help you here. I got 1,800 people online. Don't point, okay? <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, don't point. Okay. He's like, okay, who are we talking about? I'm like, well, my, my five kids. They're right up there in the front of the line. He's like, okay, you're good. I, I got you. You're a good guy. Uh, this is what I'm going to do for you. And by the way, brother, you're a good effing bleeping, effing bleeping guy. <laughs> Who's like, yeah, I'm going I'm to effing help them. We're going to do an effing great thing. You know, and all other, and yeah, this is, I get it. You've been standing out to bleep, bleeping three hours, bleeping. Okay, like every year, bleeping, effing, effing, bleeping, bleeping. You know, brother, okay, okay. All right. It's late, man. You, you guys are good. 11.15. So here's what. He turns around. He said, I'm going to let the other line start to go. After about 20 people, I'm going to come and get you and your family, okay? And I'm going to bring you in. So the line, so I, I'm thinking as he starts talking to the cops, he starts talking to this one, I'm thinking, there's no way he's going to forget. I mean, there's all this commotion going on. They open up the line, people start coming, boom, on a dime, he walks over. He's like, brother, you're in the wrong line, man. What are you doing here? You know, hey, get him out of here. He walks us, literally walks over to the line, it's going, puts his hand out like Moses parts the Red Sea, boom, people stop, they part, there's this like special door, he says, looks at him, they open up the door, takes my family right through the door, right through everything, special corridor, like we're like, you know, the band's family, and brings us on in, right, cool, huh? Okay, yeah, that's cool. Get this, we come back, and then he said, hey, you you come back to pick up the kids? He said, if you want, bring your car. You can pull up right over here in the front. I'll make sure they come out into the car. We didn't do that. But, uh, but after, we did come early, and he's there. And I walked over, and I said, hey, thanks so much. Now, I don't know how what happened next. I don't know how this happened. But get this. I'm talking to those. I'm talking to everybody, but I, is, is there a God? Is it true? What's going on? Here's what I want to tell you, man. So this guy, he's, and we start talking. I don't know what happened. And he says to me, he says, you know, uh, he says, you know, there is a God, he says. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, there is. Oh, Chris, he's right. First he called himself. First he says to me, he goes, you know what? He goes, he goes, you know, I am the biggest sinner there is. You know that? I said, well, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to say about it. He goes, no, no. He goes, he goes, he goes, I am. He goes, and there is a God. He goes, and you know that God is Jesus. I says, yeah. I said, yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm with you. He goes, yeah. He goes, you know what? He goes, I'm a vulgar man, aren't I? He said, I'm vulgar. He said, it's my life. He goes, I, I, I'm steeped in sickness and craziness and what I have to deal with and where I am. I think it turned out that in the end, we had Chrissy said she saw a badge. I think, it was, I think he was just like with the owners, uh, with the police. So he was just like whatever he had. Again, I, something out of the movies, right? But he, he was a cop. He was a, uh, underneath Chrissy saw the badge. He said, I'm steeped in a ton of stuff. He said, and you know what? This, this is where I am right now. He said, it's not good. He said, but this I know. I know there's a God. I know there's Jesus. I know he wins. I'm convinced. But based on all I see and all I participate in in life, he says, and this is, he's saying, he goes, he goes, brother, I know this. There is Jesus. And there is hope. 
and I know he's given his life to forgive me for my sins that I keep doing, and I know I shouldn't do, but I know he's there, and I have this hope, and I believe that he's coming for me, and I believe that I will be with him, that I will surrender one day, but I know this, there is Jesus, there is a God. This, it makes more sense than anything I've seen. It is the answer to all of these people's ailments and pain and suffering. How incredible is that, right? Wow. Crazy stuff. If you ever go there, House of Blues, I'm telling you, check guys out in the front, man, he's a presence. My point is this, the guy sees so much clearly command so much and he's saying you know what there's a God there's a Jesus to you who do not know him tonight today you can make this one relationship the greatest of all relationships right by turning from the way you're living just like he's saying he goes I'm, I'm in the process of turning and is what he was saying and I know my day's coming I was going to years but today maybe you don't have to wait another second another day today's your day where you're just going to say you know what i'm just going to surrender to god i'm going to ask him to forgive me of my sins i'm going to be right with myself honest with myself and i'm going to be right with god i'm going to stop by seeking god and making this relationship right huh and that's you today if you want to do that you want you bow your heads father we are grateful for everyone in here this morning why don't you stand with me we are grateful for everyone in here this morning I am grateful for their patience, for their attention. But God Almighty, I pray for each one in here today. For the one who's turning to you, O oh God. Lord, that they would sense your hand inclining, reaching down and lifting them up, O oh God, from any pit of despair or confusion or desperation. Lord, that they would feel you, Lord, drawing them closer to you. You've awakened them of their need for you and you are here pouring out your mercies and your love into their life. For those who we've come to you, we're clinging to you. We want more of you, but we just can't get away from our plan and our way of doing things. We just can't wait. We just can't wait. We're just too restless and, 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 and pain. We can't wait. God Almighty, Holy Spirit, may they know that you are there alongside of them, comforting them. You are ready to take them to this great place that if they would wait this morning, if they would right now commit, I'm going to wait on my God. I'm going to seek him knowing that you move them forward even in this very moment if they would trust in you and surrender to you. Lord, we thank you for this magnificent morning. We thank you for what you're doing in everyone's life. To God be the glory. Amen. Have a great day. Thank you so much.